0: Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Good to see you this morning. Um, We're just going to go ahead and we're going to ask Tom if he would uh, open us up in prayer, please.
1: Let's pray, gentlemen. Lord, we're so grateful for a beautiful day. We're thankful for this morning when we have the opportunity together as the men of this church to share in a delicious meal. We're grateful for the food that's been provided, to share in good fellowship. The Lord also to come to... Search our hearts and to hear a word of inspiration, motivation from Mike this morning as he shares from his heart. We pray your blessing upon him as he comes to speak with us this morning. We pray your blessing upon this men's ministry as we continue to move forward with new opportunities, new ideas, to grow in our discipleship, to bring men to know you better and grow deeper in their faith. We pray, Lord, that you will bless the efforts of our men's group and all that's done in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, your blessing upon this day. We pray for the men around these tables. We know in all of our circumstances there's joys, there's celebrations, there's also hurt and heartache. And we pray, Lord, wherever a man may be in his journey today, that you'll be with him. And help him to know he's not alone in that journey. Never alone. You're always with him. Make your presence known in each of our lives and help us to know we can always turn to you. And you'll be there for us. Bless us, Lord, during this time. Keep us close to you and always faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name man
0: all right well uh, welcome welcome this morning. I uh, hope you all enjoyed breakfast. Uh, another, another good breakfast fantastic so I appreciate it all Henry does. so uh, a couple things one just uh, really set something out uh, with the reminder notice but for, for their, uh, this week's uh, session. But I wanted to ask you to take a minute real quick and just, uh, just take notice of the update to our, uh, our, uh, men's ministry, our men's group, um, handout. And you'll see that we've, uh, we are gonna, we have adjusted our plans and we are gonna go through the summer months. So very excited to have Chris, John, and Mike leading us, uh, in the upcoming months as well as, uh, Jay, Jay and Mike, uh, as well. So very excited about that. <laughs> Hope that you'll, uh, make the time to join us. I know, uh, know there's a, it's a busy time during the summer. A lot of people have been heading in a lot of different directions, but, uh, there seems to have been a lot of interest in continuing and, uh, hope you will, hope you'll be there with us. So, um, with that, today's speaker, uh, needs no, it, no, needs no introduction. That's, uh, Pastor Mike Long. Appreciate, uh, Mike being with us, uh, this morning and, I really, personally, very much appreciate Mike's commitment to the RUMC Men's Group. Uh, Mike's been here, as you know, as a senior minister, he's got quite a busy schedule and spends quite a bit of time uh, at the church. And always very, um, you know, always very sensitive to ask him to to commit to anything else. So I've uh, I really appreciate Mike um, you being a part of this, being a part of our group and. A, I appreciate you making the time to lead us today and um really looking forward to uh, hearing what you have to share so let's give it up for Mike thank you,
2: thank you. i missed um when tim spoke and i hated that because uh I really wanted to hear what what he had to share, but I'll tell you, the breakfast has come a long way since um, <laughs> the last breakfast I had with you, the oatmeal and all that kind of good stuff. And I know that I was partly responsible for that, but um, much better today, so thank you all very much. Um, you have on your tables a, a little handout. I want you to just glance at it, because I'm going to not really make a whole lot of reference to it today. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about it, though, at the end. Uh, in terms of the, of the stories that uh, we know about in, in terms of how people come to, to know the Lord. And then what's your story? And so be thinking about that as, as we go through um, our time together. Let's have uh, another word of prayer as we get started. Lord, we are grateful for this day. Thankful for the men in this room, who they are and, and what they mean to, to me and to this church and to you. And we pray that as I share my story today, you will help us all be cognizant of our own story. In Christ's name, amen. We all have a story to tell. It might be a life story. It might be a faith story. It might be a family story. It might be a work story. It might be a service story. It might be a call story. I was just listening over here at the table, David was sharing this morning about his wife had, had a calling to adopt a child from, from Ethiopia. I didn't know that. And um, he was sharing that. He said, "One, his call <laughs> it took him a while to, to get the message, but um, you know, it, it was a. We all have a story. Every one of us in this place has a story to tell about our journey of faith. We all have a story. Now, you've heard some of my story through preaching. Just if you've been in the church and hearing some of my sermons, you know a little bit about my story. But I wanted to kind of put it together for you today." A lot of you don't know that I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't admit that uh, in, in public <laughs> to, to too many people. Um, but I was born in Alabama and um, got out of there, um, skin of my teeth at age four. We moved to Augusta, Georgia, and that became home. we immediately found a, a church home. My, my mom had been Baptist, my dad had been disciples of Christ up in um, Pennsylvania, and they compromised at a Methodist church, Trinity on the Hill. In Augusta, and that became home for us. My dad was a blue-collar guy. Uh, he worked for a paper mill in Augusta. He was a foreman there. Worked swing shifts. Any of you remember swing shift days? One-week days, next-week evenings, next-week nights. And uh, it was a tough, tough life for Dad for, for many years. Mom kind of stayed at home when my sister and I were growing up, and uh, eventually went to work at the Augusta College bookstore and our lives revolved around the church. Dad didn't get to come to church a whole lot during those swing shift years. But when the doors were open, we were there. And uh, Mom made sure that we were in children's choirs. We were in vacation Bible school. We were in Sunday school. If there was an activity, we were there. And I kind of took that seriously, even as a kid. I remember you know, thinking that oh, if I'm going to be in church, I, I need to pray. I need to be involved in the church. I need to... Uh tithe I mean even as a kid um I'd get my quarter allowance a week, and uh I'd give my my dime a month to the church uh, I felt you know really called to do that, so I just assumed that because I went to church, I was a christian- just made that assumption, but at age fifteen that changed a group called a lay witness mission came to to our church and they started sharing about what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just figured I did because I'd grown up in the church all my life. But they had something different about them. They had kind of a a joy about them that I realized I didn't have. They had some kind of assurance that I realized I didn't have. They talked about Jesus as if they knew him personally. And I realized that wasn't a part of, of who I was. And so that weekend, I gave my life to Christ for the first time. And I experienced, you know, that emotional thing, that new kind of joy, that, that assurance that you get. But quite frankly, there that, that was no major change in my life because I was going to church. I was a fairly good kid. I'd always believed this was just kind of another step in the journey. But my mom and dad had a big change. Seeing my sister and me accept Christ that weekend, they kind of renewed their faith. And they started a prayer group called the Tuesday Night Prayer Group and i don't that was 15 so that was 40 something years ago and that group still meets even though most of them have um, gone on to their great reward that tuesday night prayer group is still going and it was an awesome thing to be in a group with my parents and hearing them pray and learning to pray through their experience since the 3rd grade though i had planned to be a dentist My mom had had planted that in my mind. She said, you know, dentists do pretty well. You you might want to consider that. And if you know me, you know I'm a real strong introvert. I have to work real hard at being around people and, you know, acting like I want to be around people. Because introverts, you know, we get our energy being alone, not being around people. It takes energy for us to be around folks. So being a dentist, I thought, yes, perfect. I've got perfectionist tendencies anyway. Um, I'm an introvert, and I don't like to talk much, and, you know, they can't say anything. You know, they got their <laughs> mouth open, and you're in and end. How, how was your day? <laughs> they can't do anything. So I thought that'd be pretty good, and I liked my dentist, and he was, he drove a nice car, he played golf twice a week, and he made lots of money, and I thought, you know, this would be a pretty good gig, and so that was where I was headed, from third grade. So my first year in college, I um, majored in biology, minored in chemistry. And was headed that way. Here was the plan. I was going to go to Augusta College for two years. I was going to transfer to the University of Georgia for two years. And then go back to um, Augusta, to the medical college, to the dental school, and finish up there. That was the plan. So I started that first year and I did all the stuff. And then there was a group of men that were supposed to go on a trip, mission trip, to the Philippines. And for some reason, one by one, those men started (laughs) falling to the wayside and, and they couldn't go. And it got close to the trip and church said, you know, cause I was still very involved in the life of the church. Church said, well, maybe Mike would be willing to go. And I mean, this was a month before it was time to go. And, and so I said, yeah, I'd be willing to do that. And so we got everything together. I mean, I was in the best shape of my life. <laughs> I weighed a hundred and maybe 45 pounds soaking wet, but I, I was a runner. I was in great shape and there was a lot of things to do. And the thing that I didn't know is that I was supposed to have been taking malaria medication, and I hadn't been taking it, and so I started that as I was literally flying out to San Francisco to go to the Philippines. So these men, nobody could go, asked me to go, and I said, be glad to. Well, when I got over there, I really didn't know what I was getting into. They told us that we were going to build a couple of churches, right? Knew that. But I didn't know that they were going to expect us to do evangelism services too, which meant that we were going to have every night, we were going to have these services where different people shared their faith and then somebody would get up and and preach. I had never told my story or shared my faith, and I was petrified because it, it ain't a good story, you know? You want a good story. I woke up in a brothel one morning. I had no idea how I got there. And I'd been you know, drunk for weeks and, and the Lord came to me. And, you know, you want a story like that? I didn't have a story like that. My story was basically thought I was a Christian, went to church, wasn't, accepted Christ, and my life has got a little more joy in it than it used to. I mean, that was my story. I need a story, you know. And yet, when I began to share that story, the Lord used it, and it resonated with people who themselves had been coming to church all their lives and just assumed that they too were Christians. And the evangelism services grew, and they grew from 30 the first night to 300 by the time we were finished. And it was an outpouring of the Lord's Spirit in a mighty way, and I was you know, just caught up in that. It was amazing. We built the church, and then we went to a little island called Palawan. It's still remote, but it was really remote in those days. And there was one particular day. Remember, I'm, I'm 19. I'm not even 19. I'm 18. Almost 19. We go to this island one day, and it's right out of National Geographic. I mean, literal. The women are wearing grass skirts and nothing else. Okay? And I'm 19. And I'm supposed to be a Christian and I'm supposed to be paying attention to what we're doing and giving out medicines and I mean I'm just wide-eyed and all this stuff and um, we get over there and we give out the medicines and the Lord has been grappling with me the Lord has been saying you know Mike you, you might you might consider becoming a minister and I'm going now Lord I don't I do that
1: I'm gonna be a dentist I've got
2: a plan I've already done the first year biology and chemistry I'm, I'm ready to go I, I don't want to do that but the Lord was grappling with me, and the whole time we're on that island, the Lord's grappling with me, and we're coming back, and we're literally paddling around in these canoes, and if you're um, a relatively new member, you, you may have heard this story, but I don't know if everybody knows this story. But we're paddling back in these canoes, and the sun is kind of setting um, through the trees, and there's this, I think of it in my mind's eye as a mountain, but it really was probably just a hill. And the sun's shining through, and it's very beautiful, and, and it's uh, you know about dusk,
1: and the Lord and I
2: are, are just wrestling. And he's saying, I want you to be a minister. No. I want you to be a minister. I don't want to do it. I want you to be a minister. No. And we're just going boom, boom, boom in my mind. I'm 18. And I said, Lord, if you really want me, i got to have a sign. got to have a sign. You're not supposed to ask for a sign. But I said, you know, it, it, this is big. And I need a sign. <clears throat> so I look over on this hill. The sun's shining through there. It's very pretty. But I clearly see three crosses up on this hill. I and mean, it's clear as day. Those three crosses. There was a couple other guys in the canoe, and I said, look over on that hill and tell me what you see. They said, "Isn't that pretty? Well, the sun shining through those leaves. That is beautiful, isn't it? I said, do you guys not see those crosses? And they looked at me like I had lost my mind. And I realized that that was a sign
1: just for me.
2: And so I said, "Lord, that was pretty cool." Now, for, for your next, thing, for the next thing. Um, and so the, the call was the call was real. The call was was to preach. At that time, I felt like it was a call to do youth ministry because that's where my heart was. I was only eighteen, but the next thing I said was, "Lord, if you want this to happen, you've got to open the doors." Now, you don't hear me talk about Satan a whole lot, and giving um, credit to the devil and all that. I don't like to do that. But, devil's alive and well. And when good things, big things happen, we're going to get hit sometimes. happens all the time in church. When we have a big celebration, invariably, we're going to get hit with something pretty soon. It just works that way. Well, within two days, I was deathly ill with malaria. Remember, I told you I didn't start the medication on time? And I was very ill. Um, I don't even remember the last week of the trip. I was laying in a hut and sleeping and sick as a dog. Um, I lost 15 pounds. And I came home, and I was literally skin and bones. Uh, Some people didn't even recognize me. I'd lost so much weight. And I wrestled um, that whole time on this mission trip. What? What do you really want me to do? And the reason, John, you brought this up one time. You said, you know, you ministers talk about us going on mission trips, but y'all ain't going. What's wrong? And I said, well, the last mission trip I went on, I almost died. I lost 15 pounds, and I got called to be a preacher that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I said, I'm not too wild about going on a mission
1: because
2: I don't know what might happen. You anyway, know, I've had some health issues and that kind of stuff. But it was quite a leap of faith for me to say, yeah, I'll go to Africa with um you know the experience that I had cuz I just knew God was going to call me to be a missionary and I didn't know what I was going to do. So to go to Africa that first time was a real leap of faith. Well, I went home, changed my major to English and uh thinking if I'm going to be a minister that might be a good thing. That turned out to be a real good thing. Uh, since I write a term paper every week now called a sermon, that turned out to be a real good thing. And uh in the process of that, I just said, "Lord, I asked you to open the doors. I'm not pursuing this. You open the doors. Within three months, the uh, youth director at my home church uh, was married to a doctor, and they decided to go on a trip to Africa on a medical mission. And my church asked me to be the interim youth director, and that turned into a a two-and-a-half-year stint at, at my home church. And so that was a clear indication that the Lord was paving the way on this thing. So we made plans to go to seminary. Terry and I had started dating at that time. We grew up in the same church. We didn't hang out together. She was a cheerleader in high school. And I was the biggest nerd in the world in high school. So we didn't, our paths didn't cross except at church. Uh, but we were teaching junior high uh, kids together before I became the youth director. So we started dating and Lord opened doors there. We moved to Atlanta and started seminary at, at Candler. And then at Candler... I was going in expecting that this was going to be a a real um, Bible study, praise the Lord kind of experience. We're going to teach you how to be a minister. It's going to just be glorious. It's you know we're going to be you know learning the Bible together. It's going to be great. That was my expectation. I go to the very first class. Mike, did you you didn't go to Camper? I don't think. Oh, I went to Boston. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Did you ever know Leander Keck? You remember that name, Leander I Keck? I remember the name. I did not know it. Yeah. Leander Keck was my um uh first Bible professor. Very first class of seminary. Very first class. I'm, you know, in my early twenties, believed the Bible, was expecting this great thing, and I go in and Leander Keck says, Well, when you read the first two chapters of Genesis, you will notice that you have two creation stories, and they are both myth excuse me, I thought I was coming to seminary to learn something. They're both men. And it went downhill from there. And I mean, you talk about a faith crisis. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something totally different. And for the next three years, I went into a faith spiral where I hardly prayed. I very seldom read the Bible. I read it only for school and writing papers. And I was a mess. But I also had that first year, a professor called George Morris. Anybody know George? Ever heard of George? Great evangelism person. And George helped me remember why I went to seminary and why I was called and what that meant. George talked about Jesus as if he knew him. George talked about Jesus as if this is somebody we ought to introduce to other people. And having a relationship with Jesus is pretty important. And if I had not had that class with George Morris, I don't know if I'd have stayed in seminary, quite frankly. that kept He kept me there and helped me reaffirm my call and see that uh, even though I had a lot of doubts and questions, that was okay. So I served as a youth director at Haygood Memorial. For a while, anybody, you nod your head, Bill, you know, hey, good. Um, Went there, uh, Terry and I joined the church. This is funny how the Lord works. We joined the church on Sunday. We made up our minds we're going to join the church. We joined the church. People are excited. And then the minister gets up. DS is there. I didn't know anything about DSs at the time. And uh, D.S. says, we've got an announcement to make. Um, sadly, the minister's getting a divorce. I thought, Lord have mercy. You know what? <laughs> what are you leading in this to now? And uh, But eventually that led to a good relationship and, and working there at the church. And my last year of seminary, Terry is pregnant with Amy, our first child. And I was given a choice. It was one of the few times in ministry that I was given a choice about where I wanted to go. And um, I had a minister out at Mountain Park. Uh, which is in Stone Mountain, that wanted me to come and, and work there. And the minister at Haygood, is a different guy at the time, um, wanted me to stay there and become the associate. And I had a choice, and I made the decision to go out to, to Mountain Park and uh, be the associate out there. What I didn't know at the time was working with Sam's story. If you know Sam, I love Sam. But Sam was a workaholic. And um, Sam taught me a lot of good things, but Sam taught me a lot of things that I I didn't want to do in in ministry as well. So I graduate from seminary, and I still got a lot of questions. I still got a lot of doubts. So I go through that experience with Sam, and in 1984, I get my first appointment, and I get sent to Rocky Face, Georgia. Okay. I'd never heard of Rocky Face, Georgia. I didn't know there was a Rocky Face, Georgia. Anybody know where it is? Up near Dahl. Yeah, up near Dahl. Had no earthly idea. Now I'm beginning to learn about DSs, okay? I didn't know much about DSs at the time, but I'm learning about them now. And my DS had said, Tom Whiting. I don't know if any of you remember Tom Whiting or not, but Tom has gone on to his great reward. And, and Tom said... Uh, you know, Mike, I'm really going to be working for you. He so I think you got a lot of potential, a lot of gifts and graces, and I'm going to make sure you get a great appointment. Tom, you heard that? Um, yeah, i heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to make sure you get a great appointment. And uh, he went down the list of, of all the possibilities, and so I had these stars dancing in my head of where I might could go. And then he calls one night and he says, um, Mike, you're, you're going to Rocky Face. I said, What? That wasn't even on the list. He said, yeah, well. And so I had this image that Tom fell asleep in the cabinet meeting, all right? And so he wakes up when somebody says Rocky Face and realizes he needs to say something so my name comes out. And that's how I figured I got to Rocky Face. So we go up there. He said, don't go up. You can't go look. Terry and I get in the car. We drive up. We go look. And um, it was awful. I mean, it's awful. We walk up, and the guy, the minister there, is burning trash in the front yard. The parsonage looks like it's about to completely fall down. And Terry and I—I mean, we cried the whole way home. The whole way home. And um, Tom had said, "I said, Tom, what if I decide to stay and be an associate and not take this appointment?" He said, "You will be blackballed in this conference." So said, I expect you to call and tell me that you gladly accept this appointment. I was pretty young still. So I called him up and I said, Tom, I gladly accept this appointment. <laughs> so I'm glad you called. And so we went to Rocky Face. The DS up there said, Mike, get it two years, do your best, and I'll get you out of here.
1: Okay. we stayed six we stayed six they
2: loved us we fell in love with them and, and it became a, a, a really great start um, to minister but let me go back a little bit you've heard me talk about my health issues and nobody likes to talk about health issues but we were talking about colonoscopies even this morning over our...
1: <laughs>
2: you get to a man of a certain age
1: you like to share these kind of things
2: so anyway, um, go back to nineteen eighty two when I'm working with Sam. Sam's a workaholic. Sam will call me at home at night and say, Mike, um, custodians missed the uh the the uh, restroom. Uh first thing in the morning you need to get over here and need to get toilet paper in. Can you get back over here? I need help filling up the coke machine. Just junk like that all the time. And so I had a lot of stress and I was going through some stuff and so I just figured was working with Sam. You know, he's killing me. And uh I'd be sitting on the couch, I'd just be sitting minding my own business and reading a book or relaxing or whatever, and every once in a while I'd get this this shot of, of adrenaline that would go up through my stomach and hit my head, and my head would just feel like it was going to explode. This only happened once every two or three months or so. But then, when we moved to Rocky Face, they got a little more frequent. I was a runner, and every time I'd go out and run, I'd come back home with a massive headache. And then the things started getting more and more frequent. I'd have them every couple of days. And so we, we go to the doctor and Terry and I both know something's wrong, but the doctor said you're just stressed out. You gotta learn to slow down. You gotta learn to relax, you know, all that kind of stuff. We got a relaxation tape. I'll never forget this because, you know, we bought into what the doctor was saying and it was this guy with a kind of a Boston Harvard kind of New York accent. And it drove me completely insane. Completely insane. We're, we'll get into it in, in the bed. Terry's out in, in three seconds listening to this guy. Relax, relax. And I'm like, this guy's coming. So maybe I did have an issue with stress. I didn't know. And um, so things just kept getting worse. Go to the doctor and the doctor puts me on blood pressure medication because my blood pressure is literally through the roof. He says, we gotta get this under control. But what they didn't know is I had this very rare tumor and it was on my adrenal gland and the blood pressure medication, instead of lowering my blood pressure, raised my blood pressure, okay? So I would take this medication and just feel like I was going to explode. So I quit taking the medication. We knew something was wrong. Nobody could really find anything. And um, I remember just feeling horrible one day. Had a massive headache. And um, I decided, okay, I'm going to take a half a blood pressure pill because I've got to do something. This was the night um, of a Bible study down at my little church. I didn't tell you that I had two churches in Rocky Face. I had one that we started with 60 people, and the other one had eight when I went (laughs) there. And so we did a a once-a-month Bible study. Three ladies would show up every single time for that Bible study. And so I went down to teach the Bible study after taking this blood pressure Pill, and within five minutes into the Bible study, I was sick as a dog. I was out on the front porch, and I was throwing my guts up, and these ladies were scared to death. They, got, they threw me in their car somehow, and we went to the emergency room. And I asked Terry last night, because I really didn't remember. Um, I asked her, what was my blood pressure? Because I vaguely remember it was like 250 over 190 or something. And she said, Mike, they couldn't even get it. It was so high. They couldn't even measure it. And so they called her in, and they said, this guy's getting ready to have a stroke and die. And so, and I didn't, obviously, but, um, you know, it was a scary moment. And there was one doctor that finally said, this is not stress. we got to do a test. And they did a test to rule out a, an adrenal <coughs> tumor called a pheochromocytoma. And that's what I ended up having. And they found it. And I'll never forget when they called me. I was in my office um, in Rocky Face there at the church, and um, doctor called and said, "Well, don't know how to break it to you, but you got a tumor." And I said, "Well, praise the Lord, you know." I cried like a baby, but I I felt vindicated. You know, I've been telling these doctors for years, "I'm sick. Something's wrong with me." And they were, "Oh, you're just stressed out." I felt kind of like the guy. You know, on well, the tombstone, I told you I was sick. You know, I yeah. felt like him. And uh, finally, finally, they um, they got it. And uh, But then we had another kind of crisis because we had to figure out at that point, what are we going to do? And this was a touch and go surgery. I mean, back in those days, um, they didn't do laparoscopic. I just had a prostate thing and I got, you know, four or five little cuts across here. But in those days, they didn't do this laparoscopically. So I've got a scar that goes all the way across here. Well, they literally cut me open. It's a great scar for the beach. You know, I'm walking around here, oh, that's shark and that's what we <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that Talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, it,
2: in, in those days, it, it was a problem because anytime they tried to manipulate the tumor, it would send adrenaline through my system. And so there's the possibility of having a stroke on the table. So it was like a 10 or twelve hour surgery. I mean it was a big deal, and um, we knew that there was a possibility that that I could die and so Terry and I had to have that hard conversation, you know not only planning the funeral but um uh, you know what are you going to do if I die? Here's the money, here's what we have. You can move back to Augusta. We had that conversation, had the will up to date, all that kind of stuff and that was a very difficult conversation
1: had a um,
2: six year old three year old and a nine month old okay. And she said often, and still says often, if you'd have died, I'd have killed you.
1: (laughs) You know, because of what I was going
2: to leave her with. So we had that from a family perspective. But then I go back to the faith. Remember, I've been in a downward faith spiral for years, since seminary. Here I was preaching every Sunday, and I wasn't real sure I believed what I was preaching. I was preaching, I was like kind of like John Wesley, preach faith till you have it. But I wasn't sure I believed it. But now I'm in a major faith crisis. And if I die, do I believe this stuff? And so I had to really wrestle with that. And I came to a point where I said, Lord, I know I've still got doubts and questions. And I'm still going to have those. I understand that. But I'm placing those aside for now and I'm choosing to go back to what happened at age 15. And I'm going to grow that relationship. I'm going to trust you in this. And some of that old joy began to resurface. And I began to believe that God was going to see me through this. Well, the Lord did, obviously. And um, that little tumor created all kinds of issues for the years ahead. I had my thyroid removed. Terry says there's no connection with prostate cancer and the colon blow that I had a few years ago with that tumor. I don't know. But um, something happened in those years from a physical standpoint, but from a faith standpoint. I adopted that assurance again. And began to believe and grow the relationship instead of focusing on the doubts and the questions. Started a doctorate program after getting through the surgery. Took a class on spiritual formation. And that's when I was introduced to the book, Celebration of Discipline. Any of you aware of that? Some no, of you nodding. No, Celebration of Discipline. Richard Foster. And that's when Tom Davis, uh, Jeff Ross, and Bill Britt and I formed a, a group. We've been together now over close to 25 years. And we started studying that book together. And we were all at a point where we were grappling with our faith and the challenges of being young ministers at that time. And uh, that book literally helped to shape our faith foundation for the days to come. When I moved to Chatsworth, did a walk to Emmaus. How many of you done a walk to Emmaus? Huh? A few of you. Um, that was another important step. On the journey. And then when I moved from Chatsworth to Lawrenceville, moved from a 300-member church to an 1,800-member church. I had no clue how to do an 1,800-member church after being in small churches for nine years. It was a real leap, but the Lord allowed good people like many of you to come into my life, and it was a real faith-growing experience for me. And some of you may know this story, but when it came time to the possibility of coming to Roswell, um, I was not even remotely interested. For a lot of reasons. My boys, Amy was already in college at the time, but I had a senior in high school and a 10th grade boy. Okay, And Lawrenceville was home to them. We didn't want to move them. So Roswell comes up as a possibility. At that time, the bishop gave the church a little bit of uh, leeway in in reaching out to people. And I I understand that it got kind of down to me and and David Jones. And I said to the bishop and to my DS... Anybody that would listen, I'm honored. I'm honored to be considered, but I don't want to go. i got boys that are at an age that I don't want to move them, and I don't want to follow them alone, Dotson. Good Lord, have mercy. Who in the world, in their right mind, would want to follow them alone? I was in my right mind at the time, and I didn't really <laughs> want to do that. I knew it was a challenge. I knew the church the demographics were going to be changing, and I, quite frankly, wasn't interest. And yet, here I am. And the first seven, eight years were tough. You yeah, know, Rusty, you remember we had lots of conversations. Um, those were tough years. Uh But the Lord has, has seen us through, and there's some good things happening. And um just want to talk about a, a couple of things, and I'll, I'll close out, in terms of what the Lord has led me to in terms of faith growth in this church. I don't know why I never did it until about four years ago, but reading through the Bible in a year has been transformational for me. Alan, you're not, because you have worked with me on that song. Yeah, um, been truly transformational, and I don't know if I'll do it every year for the rest of my life, but I'm, I think I will. <clears throat> Barry, what you suggested to me this year—a new way of reading with the U version—and you know that's helpful to read without going straight through. That's been a good thing to do. Many of you have tried it. It's transformational. I got involved with an ice group. This is a group of four young ministers and four old guys, like, like me and Tom and Jeff are a part of that. And um, that's been transformational. Learning about third place and you know, how we do church in, in this age. GIC, transformational. Um, not only you talking me into going on that first mission trip, John, but um, how many of you have been transformed by going on mission trips and how the church has been somewhat transformed through that experience. I did an extended fast for the first time this year. Ate nasty oatmeal back in March with you guys. You know, I don't eat first oatmeal I'd eaten in 20 years, most likely. But that fast was transformational for me. And I hope that we will continue to to encourage folks to do that from time to time. You've heard me talk about tithing. I've been a tither since I was a kid. We had a conversation yesterday, Craig, and you were telling me, Tim, we've had a conversation about how you guys have have realized how tithing has has changed your your faith chart I mean it's been a remarkable experience for you and so there have been remarkable experiences that we have grown together with and I have loved watching many of you grow in your faith and grow that relationship with Jesus and that is what brings me joy in these days as I watch you grow in your faith some folks like to say well what are your life? Verses. Do you have any life verses? Yeah, I do. Philippians 4, 4-13. through 13. I share them with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals... Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We get all caught up in thinking about what's wrong, the bad stuff, and this and that, and we forget to focus on the good stuff. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, this is Paul talking, or seen in me, put it into practice. I insert, instead of thinking about Paul, I think about Jesus there put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is something that is true for my life. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. This is it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether in rocky face or in Russell. (laughs) I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's my story. What's yours? Have you ever written it down? Have you ever taken just a few minutes and considered the Emmaus Rhodes story of a long journey where eyes are eventually opened, kind of like my story? Or do you have a dramatic Damascus Road story like Paul? Most of us don't. We'd like one, but we don't. Most of us is a Mayus Road story. And so in the time that we have for a few minutes, I would encourage you to look at that sheet of paper and consider the the before words, before you met Christ, the how words of how you met Christ, and the after words. My before words were churchgoer that thought I was a Christian and realized that sitting in a church no more made me a Christian than sitting in a garage made me a car, okay? I earned. wanted to earn my salvation. I wanted to do good things. But then the how? At age 15, lay witness mission, kneeling at an altar. It was kind of a Maus Road experience. My eyes got open. What about the after? Still some struggles and doubts. It hadn't been peaches and cream, God. You know, there'd been health issues. been all kinds of stuff but there's a joy, there's an assurance, there's a peace, there's a thinking about the good things, there's contentment, there's strength that comes through Christ. What are your words? That's my story. What's your story? So, Tim, if it's okay, I'm going to invite him to take a minute around the table and write down some of the words that might be your story. And If we have a minute, share.